0: Alliance supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. As far well as that,
1: everyone knows me from Darlene Timor and Kenali, what have you,
0: Bally <laughs> Kieran Kenmegini as a player was a phenomenal player and he didn't cry and he didn't quench, you know. Tim knows where he am if he wants to chat to me like
1: Probably that's what we've read about anyway and that's what we've been told and uh, we we'll are
0: probably not at it again the next time we get bit, you know. The Ulster Championship excites the crowd. There isn't another province that's as competitive as that. And if truth be told, I mean, what what is the point of this?
1: I'm made of 23,000 down fans and it's going to be great. It's going to be brilliant, it's going to be better than, uh, than anything I've ever experienced. And then of course if you're a county player going after a club match, <laughs> some boy, <laughs> i got to give you the that. <laughs>
0: this group of players mean so much to me I couldn't hold me the light after the game. Hello and welcome again to the We Are Ulster GA podcast brought to you by Alliance. I'm Paul Fitzpatrick and we're gearing up for round six of the Alliance football and Hurling leagues this weekend. This is where the movers and shakers are going to be separated as the picture of relegation and promotion places becomes clearer. I'm joined on the line as usual by Declan Bogue who took time out to talk to us this morning. Declan, thanks for joining us again. No
1: problem at all, Paul.
0: Declan, I was in Crow Park uh, yesterday for the launch of the O'Neill's All-Ireland Senior Singles Handball Final this weekend. And there is a big Ulster interest in it because Charlie Shanks from Armagh, who you interviewed a few weeks ago, is back in the final. I was just telling you off-air some of Shanks' backstory. I know you're familiar with a lot of it anyway, but um, for people who wouldn't be, Charlie lost four All-Ireland finals and at the age of 34 last year, finally won one. Now he's back in the final. He's trying to win his second. And it got us thinking about the the older veterans that are still going in the GEA. So I'm going to just read out a quote from Charlie just to set the scene here. He said, I asked him how fit is he at the moment. And he said, I think back in my first two finals, I was in great condition. That was the best, the fittest and strongest I've ever been. I was a lot younger then and didn't have as much responsibilities. Now I'm still pretty fit and strong. He goes on to say, I think it's disappointing that a lot of the top footballers and hurlers are retiring early. That's a huge loss to the game. The skill level those guys have, all that experience, they don't need to do three or four weight sessions a week. At the end of the, of the day, you only have to be strong enough. All that skill and talent they've developed shouldn't go to waste in their 30s when arguably they are at their best. Now Charlie Shanks, former Clan Aaron footballer up in Lorgan, he's talking about g a players but he's also talking about himself there. And it got it got us thinking about the piece you wrote about Ryan McCluskey this week, Declan. Absolutely extraordinary story. A man who had half his skull replaced a couple of years ago. He's still going strong and now he's now the longest serving footballer in the country.
1: Yeah, because sometimes you hear of a player getting injured and you just think, oh yeah, okay, okay it's an injury, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. You don't really think, uh, you know, at the time... He clashed with a teammate in training and uh, it hit his sinus lobes, his sinus bone, the uh, front of his forehead, basically where your eyebrow is. And Most people think, oh, he got a bang at training and he was probably concussed or whatever. And there wasn't a big pile made of it at the time. I remember someone saying it was pretty serious. And you think any kind of bang in the head, oh, that's pretty serious, like you know. But, you know, he's scars coming out from the top of his ears. And that runs all the way across the back of his head, uh, because he told me the doctor couldn't operate through the eyebrow because there was so much bone and matter floating in that area. So they had to cut his entire skull open, and it's actually gruesome when you think about it. And they lifted it back like a flap in order to access that area and put in a steel plate. And uh, someone like you know Ray Mccluskey was you know kind of like Fermanagh, uh, you don't hear the stories too often, and that's always probably one of the dog bears that say, Terrible O'Brien, the Carlo manager, said there's great stories out there, with loads of teams and loads of pounds. You just don't get to hear them, and that's one amazing story. Uh, that and what was is, is even more extraordinary about it is it happened when he was 32, and like you know, he, he actually wanted to play. Then a matter of weeks later, against uh, Westmeath, I think it was in the qualifiers. And it was just insane stuff, really. But um, there he is at thirty six, going into it'll be thirty seven, and the Championship Rose Run. and still playing.
0: And Declan, what sort of footballer was Clucker, as he's known, uh, when he was in his heyday? I, I know him just really. I know the name. I know he was a quality operator, and I know he was a great athlete with a soccer background. But you know, what, what sort of a player was he? I would say
1: that he evolved greatly. Um, he always probably because he, he played an awful lot of soccer too, uh he was underappreciated by Fermanagh fans who he was always about ball retention. But I would say he went through he's been through a couple of phases, right? He started off as a tight martin cornerback. Uh for his club he always like from when he was seventeen he was a wing back for gears, and always a great man to take ball out of defence, extremely well composed, unbelievable skills. Uh but when he went into county football, he was very much a tight mark and cornerback. He would have marked uh, Stephen McDonnell, and when they beat our man the 2004 All Ireland quarter final, he would have been taken up the like a Brandon Devaney, different forwards like that of that era, and he would have been very good. Uh, and as the years rolled on, I suppose pace wasn't uh, what it might have been. Malachi O'Rourke took a look at him and said, "This guy has to be the fulcrum of the pitch and to put him at centre back." Where he just basically held his position. I remember during that National League, Damien Kelly and Tommy McElroy actually became the two, one on two, highest scoring wing backs in Ireland for the National League, uh, coming out of Division 3 that year. And in the Ulster final, the drawn Ulster final that year against Armagh, he had the most touches of any player. And at the time, it was a phenomenal figure. It was in the mid 30s, 36 possessions or something at the time. Both of them were doing the stats. And this was seen as just an extraordinary uh, amount of times on the ball. Of course, like you know, within a matter of three years, it was nothing normal because football changed so much, evolved so much between that period of 08-012. Now you see a player like Kieran Gilkenny can manage to get about 60 possessions in a game because there's absolutely no onus on him to go forward, no onus on him to actually attack. He just gets the ball, links it, turns it over to the left that we skip on a 25-yard hand pass oh, and so on. But that's probably what it, it evolved from being tight Martin cornerback to uh, a guy who would sit in the middle, hold brilliant communicator, brilliant skills, possibly frustrated some for man-of-boys uh, in the crowd because they're a great county, they're similar in some ways to Calvin where you, you hear a lot of boys in the crowd shouting, let her on, let it in. But, like, you know, <laughs> that's not what football's about now. It's about retention. As a matter of fact, as an aside to that, uh, I would, like, now nowadays, what is he? He's a veteran who comes off the bench to close out games. Uh, you can hear him, whereas the other defenders, you mightn't hear him. If you're sitting in Briefly Park, you'll hear him shouting at everybody around him. Like, he's unbelievably vocal, very encouraging, but he's still got those skills and he's still a, a class act, you know. Uh, as I say, I was just looking at the 1990 Iron final between Cork and Leeds, and I took some clips on my phone and sent to find some people on WhatsApp. And, uh, you know, people... i talked about this before, about this golden era of football. It was dreadful stuff. Like, you know, I mean, if it was a matter of a, a wing-back getting it, one solo, one bounce, and just hitting the thing as long as possible. like, you know, marquee forwards, such as a Karl Kicking the ball hopelessly wide from twenty yards, you know, on his on a strong foot and whatever, uh, that is. And I say that I'm getting completely away off the away uh, off the topic. But I'm sure some of the people listening to this podcast will have seen some of these uh, All Ireland final replays in there, and their eyes are popping out of their head as to what actually happened in these games. As how they are portrayed by the uh, pundits of that era in the media now. Well, uh,
0: just just actually as an aside, to the, to an aside, I watched um, Dublin and Donegal on air sports there a couple of weeks ago, and I once they Donegal were beaten on the night, but I once they Donegal were attacking, and I, I think it might have been Owen Bon Gallagher or someone like that was coming out with the ball, and the thought did strike me that th- that Donegal team at the moment, even though they're struggling in the Division One at the moment, they would eat any previous team alive. We'd say from Fifteen, twenty years ago, certainly twenty years ago, because of the the athleticism, the way those fellas can tear up and down the pitch in Crow Park.
1: Are you talking about one by Gallagher against Toronto tonight? No,
0: no, it was the Dublin game. I think it was oh, it was Gallagher. It might have been someone else, but it, it, just the level of athleticism struck me because I had seen a clip uh, not long before, uh-huh. that as well, and it was just. It was
1: just, it's just he's a, a great word. player, isn't
0: he? He really is a great player. I he? mean,
1: he's a cornerback, and he's just an all-round popular. I mean, how many do you see that? Like, how many cornerbacks now do you see that are totally comfortable? going up the field and, and occasionally kicking points. Whereas you wouldn't give tuppence for about you know, a great number of the players uh, in those positions as their counterparts in the 90s.
0: Yeah, we're t- talking about, I suppose, players who who stayed on and stayed on and stayed on. Um, a player, I suppose, who would remind me of McCluskey was Carl Lacey.
1: It's funny you should mention because he's actually a good comparison with McCluskey. Uh, who remember in a qualifier game over 2010, like any of these years that I ever say, like, you know, let's just allow for, say, three, four years regular room <laughs> between the year I say and the year it might actually be. Um, but at one point, like, he, marked, he had marked Owen the all game and Paddy Valley was doing some of the scoring, he switched on the Paddy, kept him scoreless. He was an insanely brilliant cornerback, and then when McGuinness came along, he said, you're my centre-back. You're know, my playmaker. You're the man who, who gets all the transitions going. Like what a fumbler. and uh, many fumblers that could you lift from cornerback and put them in the center half. Truth is, that's what's happening. Like you know, it's it's almost like a natural evolution from cornerback now uh, into center back. Whereas. Fullback still specialist
0: position, would you agree? Yeah, well, I think it works both ways as well. I think you sometimes see a, a corner forward now re- being reinvented out on uh, the half forward line around the 40. We saw Colin Cooper, we're seeing it with Kian Mackey in Cavan, mm-hmm. who, who was really an out and out, blisteringly fast corner forward when he first came on the scene with Calvin. Incredible. I, I remember having a conversation with people about Mackey, and we were saying, is he that fast? Or is it because he's you know, bright red hair that you, you, he stands out a little bit more because he was unbelievably quick? But now he's not an inside forward anymore. He's a creative player out on the 40. Uh, Sean Johnson plays a similar role. Um, I was bringing this on to another man we talked about off-air with Sean Kavanagh, who's role changed as well. So maybe maybe we've latched on to something here, Declan. Is the secret to a long career to reinvent yourself and get ring those extra few years out of yourself when you change position?
1: You know it's caveat city here, uh, but I'm going to give you another and hot take on the whole hair thing. You said about uh, Mackie looks busy. But I remember a column by Stephen Hunt, former uh, Ireland soccer player, who said that he deliberately, like since his retirement now, he's, he, his appearance is vastly different. He's got a fashionable hipster beard and a, and a nice wee uh, short haircut. But he had a big unruly mop when he was with Reading. You remember? And he said that he purposely grew it that way because his game was all action, putting himself about breaking up play. And he felt that he would get more noticed if his hair was flying about the place.
0: That's very interesting. Uh,
1: than some kind of moniker quaffard guy. Uh, so, yeah. Where well, are we going with this? Point? <laughs> yeah, well,
0: I had a cousin, Michael Bryant, who played for Cabin for a few years. He got a very, very bad leg break when he was about twenty-two, but for a couple of years he was a really brilliant uh, young player, he marked Canavan in the Ulster final in 2001, but um, he had really, really light hair, he was he was on the white side of blonde, and uh, mm. I to always think about myself about Michael, that you would always come away from a game thinking Jesus Christ he was on the ball some amount of times but I wonder about that, anyway we're going, we're going off the topic, come back to talk about Fermanagh so we talked about Clucker, Fermanagh have a big game this weekend, they're taking on Armagh they're after losing to Westmead um so this game possibly will define from Season I'd suggest tackling if if they can beat it.
1: And 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 I would imagine in the Fromana Bubble that they would have been talking about this from the moment they met up is be nice to get a run in the championship, be nice to get a run in the qualifiers, but like really your season for a team that starts life in division three is defined by the league campaign unless they do something spectacular. In the uh, championship, and that's unlikely to happen unless you have had a brilliant league campaign. The defeat to Westmeath was one of those that someone mentioned to me earlier in the week. You know that was a that was a defeat we to not because I think there were two points up going into injury time and lost it. Uh, they gave away an awful lot of freeze at the end, needless fouls and uh, poor kickouts that led to um, that led to Westmeath just tipping over the, the points and Westmead won, but I mean, that was the story of a few games, because they were well ahead against Westmead in the first game, and they let Westmead, or sorry, Wexford, apologies, uh, something similar against Offaly, took their foot off the, the gas, and then it was dreadful against Derry, because I don't know what score was at half-time, something like uh, two points or three points to one eleven, 11 and yet they really, you know, they were, they were sweating, it was a really sweaty finish in the end. Again, in fact, Mentioned lines just allow no no minus five or plus five to, to either team, um, but that was a, that was a, a defeat waiting to happen because they're not putting in uh, seventy plus minute performances. In some ways, right? The optimist in me would say Rory Gallagher would be nearly. He will look at and look at the reality now and say, right, okay, this this is what you've done. Yeah, this is we told you this was going to happen. They're giving him an opportunity to really put the foot down. Uh, and insist on everyone buying into what he's trying to do. He put on a number of attacking players and he got no scores from them and mentioned in the local paper that he felt that some were possibly uh, pursuing their own individual scores rather than actually becoming part of the team when they were introduced. So now there's no regular room for them. Uh, and the truth of the matter is they can beat Armagh. They'll probably go up uh, and they've got a head-to-head over Armagh on that way. So you know, West, Westmeath go up and they've got Longford in the last game. who are also in the hunt there. So beat Armagh and beat Longford and they deserve to go up. But if you don't beat Armagh and you're laying on it, well, you never really deserve to go up anyway in the first place because you had, three, uh, you had four league games at home out of your seven games and you had Derry and Armagh at home. I think that was crucial.
0: OK, Declan, I'm not going to keep you on the line much longer, only to ask you for a prediction for those games that will be covered live on We Are Ulster, brought to you by Allianz. First up, Derry against Wexford. One more prediction. Derry. Fromana against Armagh. Um, uh, for, uh,
1: I look, at, can you black this out in some way to anybody in Fermanagh, but I'm going to say Armagh because they've just have had their number over the last number of years. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm saying no more about that. But I, it, it would appear to me that Armagh would be in a better position.
0: Okay, uh, in Division Three, a game we're hoping that the in Calvin, that the Down lads will do us a favour and defeat Tipperary. But Down against Tipperary, that's a home game for Down.
1: Tip. Tip. Down, at bother, they've lost a couple of men from the panel this week. Uh, it's. It, it, it might be very difficult for them stay because Tepper are going very strong heading for a promotion coming up to the Neary the, if they get a win there it all boils down to literally loud are probably going to go down Mead have loud I think this weekend so that gives them another couple of points so it all boils down to a winner takes all between them and Mead on the last day of the season
0: It does and that's that's not good news for Mead because they have a very poor record against social teams but I suppose it has to end at some time just like Cavan against Roscommon. Cavan have beaten Roscommon once uh, in eight meetings in the last six years so Cavan Hopper's coming away this again, knowing that a win will see Cavan up as well the last game then is the Division 4 game Antrim against Cardo Antrim on seven points Carlow won eight
1: that's you know what that could be the best game of the year um, in terms of National League like you know for what is at stake because sometimes a lot of the games in the higher end you know there's plenty at stake in, in some respects but I mean get out of Division 4, Carlo will be going full bore, Antrim the exact same. This in many ways is the two teams game of the year. Uh, I don't know, I just think Carlo might have more homework done on Antrim, more than Antrim have done on Carlo. I think maybe Carlo will shave it
0: it's going to be tight it's going to be tight Antrim yeah, are going to possibly rue dropping that point against Waterford but there's a massive uh, gulf in Division 4 between the top 3 teams Leash, Carlo and Antrim and then the rest of the teams with London probably the next best and then there's a bit of a gap but anyway we can talk about that all day I want to say thanks Declan Pope for joining us again on the We Are Ulster podcast brought to you by Allianz this week it's a preview podcast next week we'll be back to the usual slot reviewing the weekend's action on Monday but in the meantime enjoy the action and remember with We Are Ulster it matters more Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.